Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Uh, I think last year I didn't really know where I was percentage-wise. Because it's obviously hard coming back from an injury that I've never really dealt with. Um, but obviously, as the season progressed, I, I definitely felt better week after week after week after week. And there was definitely a, a point where I said, yeah, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever felt as good as I do right now. And that was probably my 100%, if you know, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, last year was definitely weird. Um, a lot of misinformation and a lot of clouded judgment. And there just wasn't anywhere to go to find a real source of information for how the entire year was going to play out. And that was obviously hard for everyone. But uh, we made the best of it, and it just made us that much more thankful for uh, how we're doing it this year. You know, everything's been clean cut, and we know exactly how to get through it. And um, if there is another wave of, of, of the virus, uh, I think we know how we're going to handle it. And I think that's beneficial for our team. That is Raiders third-year tight end Foster Moreau speaking today at the Raiders practice facility in Henderson after uh, a spirited practice, to say uh, the least. Lots of observations from probably the most, um, I don't want to call it heated, it was a competitive practice uh, out at Henderson. Uh, A lot of great uh, detail, uh, a lot of fun moments uh, watching Derek Carr and uh, new defensive backs coach Ron Milas get after it a little bit in a very spirited, competitive, fiery uh, at times uh, red zone drill where it was Derek, his wide receiver, and a defensive back and uh, getting after it. It's one of my favorite drills uh, and periods of training camp because you can only imagine that Derek Carr wants to complete every pass. Every wide receiver wants to make every catch and beat their man off the line of scrimmage. Every defensive back uh, wants to make their play. So it gets heated. It gets competitive. Guys are bodying each other up. Uh, there's a lot of you-know-what talking, and that certainly was the case. Remember yesterday? Uh, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It is a Friday. I want to close this Friday off on a high note. Not that we're taking the weekend off. There's practice tomorrow uh, for the Raiders. There's also practice on Sunday uh, for the Raiders, and we'll hopefully have some information on that Sunday practice a little bit later on in the show. Uh, But we want your thoughts, your calls, 702-365-9200. Almost two weeks into the books, guys uh, and gals, uh, Raider Nation, Raider fans. What are your thoughts? What are your observations? What are your questions? What are your proclamations? Any predictions? Any observations? Whatever you got. Give us a call, 702-365-9200. We'll try our best uh, to either answer it or come uh, expound on on your thoughts. Uh, Let's finish the week on a strong note, but truly uh, enjoyed today's practice uh, for a lot of reasons. And it it certainly uh, is not that it finished up uh, over in the red zone, but it was toward the end of practice. And um, it's one of my favorite aspects of camp because it, it's really, you know, man on man. Uh, you've got your quarterback and, um, you know, you've got your wide receiver and your defensive backs and they're getting after it. And in the case today, Ron Miles, the new secondary coach, remember what I said about him uh, yesterday? I think it was yesterday, right? Yeah, yesterday. He has a 
demeanor about him. He has a persona about him. If you've ever been on a high school campus um, and there was that one commanding figure, might have been the principal, might have been the vice principal, uh, but somebody that knew you, you know, you had he had your back, right? Um, he was fair. He was probably, you know, a great resource, but he was also such a commanding figure that it was, you knew not to cross that guy. You knew not to be out of class when you weren't supposed to be out of class when he was walking down the halls. You knew that you didn't, you know, uh, you you didn't get in trouble because you didn't want to go to his office. You know, um, you know how it is when, when, when you disappoint somebody, uh, when you let somebody down, uh, like your dad, let's say, um, where that's the last person you want to disappoint. Number one, they're an authoritative figure, authority figure, uh, and so you don't want any of the repercussions. I know in my time uh, it was a little bit different than it is now, but you, and 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 you didn't want to disappoint him. You didn't want him to, to to have to use that voice or give you that look, uh, and you didn't want to um, you know fall below any kind of standard that they. Uh, set for you. I know, and, and for my dad, he used to always say, hey, you know, whatever it is you do, do to the best of your ability. Uh, I don't mind mistakes. I don't mind. Uh, that's going to happen. Uh, but don't embarrass yourself and don't embarrass your name. You understand that that name means something. And I don't ever want you embarrassing that name. And so you tried, at least I did, not to ever embarrass the name because I don't care what, you know, maybe the <laughs> police or whoever you want to talk about it uh, might do. It was always my dad. That's who I didn't want to disappoint. And and Ron Milas has that kind of feel about him. Uh, and, and he's just a guy that you, you can't help but notice. And he is he, – he drives a hard bargain with his players. He – demands that they play at a certain level, that they know their assignments, that they don't mess up. Uh, obviously, mistakes are going to happen, uh, but he's don't make that same mistake twice because he's going to give you that look. So today, he was sticking up for his guys. He was uh, on the back at, at the back of the end zone watching this red zone drill. It was I think the ball was probably lined up at the five yard line, maybe. So it was close. It was close quarters, and it was a tough drill. And you know it's man to man. Everybody, you know, you got your guy. Don't let him beat you. If you're the quarterback, Derek Carr, uh, it's like you make that throw, or you got to f- settle for a field goal, uh, or maybe it's fourth and and and, and goal. And you need those points. You got to make that pass. You got to complete that pass. And they were keeping score. And Ron Milas was the loudest in terms of reminding everybody what the score was because the defense was getting the best of the offense uh, in this case, which if you're a Raider fan, you like that. I, I can't express that anymore. You like that. Yes. You want Derek Carr uh, to complete the touchdown pass. Yes, you want Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, whatever wide receiver you're talking about, uh, to come down with the ball. Obviously, you want to score. But when you talk about a defense, and this Raider defense has struggled mightily in this particular area, covering guys, it's not a bad thing when those defensive backs are doing a pretty good job. You know, I saw somebody on, there was some 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 uh, uh, smack talk on Twitter. I think Henry Ruggs got tied up with one of the younger uh, defensive backs, and the defensive back had, um, you know, won a couple battles against, against Henry Ruggs. And it was like, oh, if he can't beat that guy off the, 
You guys have no clue how good these guys are. Everybody that's out there has talent. That's why they're on an NFL roster right now. And 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 you just don't get it. You have to be out here to see it. Everybody that they bring up, every guy, every player that make that 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 uh, that that gets a rep on an NFL, uh, you know, uh, pr- training camp situation is good. I don't know how to else to explain that to you. There's guys that are better than others. There's no question about it. Uh, but you see guys that maybe you haven't heard of, maybe went to a college that you weren't rooting for, maybe fell through the cracks. Don't discount those type of guys. Those so There are guys that, that, that emerge in these situations. So Henry Ruggs getting locked up by, um, you know, a, a defensive back that, you know, might not have the biggest name isn't necessarily a bad thing. It might be that guy's, that guy's a pretty darn good player, and that's what you want. So uh, anyway, uh, a great practice today. Gerald McCoy uh, was out there for the first time, uh, recently signed defensive tackle, uh, looked to be in really good shape. Uh, a lot of guys were gravitating uh, toward him, and he was uh, seemed very open uh, to sharing whatever knowledge uh, he was sharing. So uh, we'll see with if Gerald McCoy – uh, you know, becomes a factor on this defensive line. I don't think that he's going to win any kind of a starting job. I think they're pretty set with their starters. Uh, but as a re- rotational piece, might not be the worst thing to have a guy like Gerald McCoy coming off your bench and being in a rotation. And then we know just watching what Gus Bradley has been doing with this defense, guys are going to play. If you show that you can play in practice, they're going to figure out a way to get you on the field. And that's a good thing. The Raiders want to build depth. The Raiders want to build rotations. Uh, the Raiders want to be in a situation where they can play and and trust a lot of different guys, especially defensively, because that ensures that you're going to be in pretty good shape by the end of games, by the end of seasons. If more guys are contributing and playing efficiently, and you're spreading, you're you're able as a result to spread the the snaps around to keep guys fresh. That's the best of all worlds. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Joe is in L.A. How you doing, Joe? I'm good, thank you. So it sounded like it was getting a little testy in the press room with that rock paper scissors battle, but <laughs> um, totally all in fun. <laughs> totally all in fun. Right. Um, so my question has to do with the signing of another running back. I think it was Bo Scarborough. Right. But what is you know my my fear? I guess going into the season is losing Kirby Wilson as the coach who I think pushed. Josh Jacobs, of course you need talent, you know, in that position, but something has to be said about having a good coach. And then when I heard that it's the quality control guy that's taking on the lead role, and I don't know if you know too much about him or how successful do you think this running back core would be going into this, uh, you know, season 2021, especially that and we want Josh to go into the next level, and we added Kenyon Drake as well. Well, you got to keep in mind, uh, Joe, that um, you know uh, Jalen uh, Richard uh, or Richard, uh, I guess Jalen's going to be out for a few weeks. So um, you know you've got roster space to be able to bring somebody up and bring somebody in. A, you need all the bodies that you could get at this point uh, of the season. No, keep in mind, you're going to play a game next week. You're not going to play in Josh Jacobs. You're not playing Kenyon Drake in that game. You need healthy bodies to be able to play that game and get you through the preseason. You need as many bodies as you can. Uh, to get through practices, uh, you know, so Josh Jacobs isn't taking all the reps. Kenyon Drake isn't taking all the reps. Uh, you need guys that you can get out there onto the field. So, you know, for both Scarborough, this is an opportunity because Jalen is hurt right now. 
for him to get something on tape to open some eyes, maybe win a job, maybe nudge himself over, you know, uh, ahead of or over uh, whoever's on else is on the back end of the uh, of, of the depth chart. But in no way, shape, or form is that signing any kind of an indication of anything negative going on. It's training camp. You want it. You want the ninety players available to you every day because you're running first team, second team, third team, fourth fourth team. You're trying to preserve guys. Uh, so there's there's a math medical issue here rather than, you know, any kind of a talent issue right now, um, in, at least in that regard. You know, Gerald McCoy is a, a, a different situation. I don't think the Raiders were down on anybody on the defensive line, but when Gerald McCoy comes calling and he looks pretty good in a workout, it's worth it to to give him a shot. Uh, if he makes it, he's going to, you know, somebody else that, that thought they might have had a spot on the roster is going to fall by the wayside. But, you know, if you're cutting a pretty good player, that means you've got pretty good depth. And if, 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 if it gets to that point uh, where you're losing a good player because you've brought in a better player, that's what you want. So, yeah, I wouldn't read anything, zero, uh, into into uh, the, the running back uh, coming into the building. Uh, keep in mind also, Theo Reddick retired, and he just didn't have. He basically had gotten to the finish line of his career, didn't have any much, you know, much else to offer, uh, and and came to grips with that uh, with himself. Didn't want to waste anybody's time, and said, "Hey, it's my time to go. Thank you, uh, but I'm out of here. Uh, my career is over." So you had to replace him, which they did uh, with a couple of guys. Now Jalen goes down. You have to have uh, a you know somebody to take his place at least for you know, these practice reps and then in, going into that game next Saturday because, uh, again, you're not going to be playing your, your starters. So uh, you have to, you know, look at it from at this time of year, you need that roster filled out. You need all 90 players uh, here and present because those are hot days out there. You don't want to keep pushing your starters uh, necess- unnecessarily in terms of, of, of reps and things like that. So, uh, and, you know, you're going to find that, if somebody gets hurt, I don't care where it is around the league, you're going to bring in uh, a replacement. You saw the other day that uh, you know Sam Young retired the offensive tackle. They immediately replaced him with another offensive tackle. So um, that's really all it is uh, right now is, is is mathematics. It was another big day today uh, as well. Um, you know, we got a chance to talk to Foster Moreau. I'm really going to, uh, you know, we're going to get into that and his thoughts. Uh, and And especially, you know, I heard so much last year. And I had to, you know, guys, just you need to start thinking, not every, not all of you guys, uh, a lot of you guys have things in the proper perspective with the proper understanding. Uh, but the whole notion that Jason Witten was, you know, um, stunting Foster Moreau's growth last year, I have to say that this, that's just a lazy take. It's a lazy take. And let's be better than that, okay? Foster Moreau was hurt in 2019, in November of 2019. There was no offseason last year. There was no ability for him to get into a building to have, like, the guidance of the professional staff monitoring and overlooking his rehab from what was a very serious knee injury that required surgery. All right? The Raiders can't just count on Foster Moreau being completely healthy at the start of training camp. He wasn't. Um, and and just disregard that position and just kind of assume that he's going to be okay, especially not having uh, seen him at all during the offseason. So they went out and got a player that obviously they they trusted in Jason Witten, one of the best to ever do it. There were also, also some other reasons uh, for that. Number one, for coverage for Foster Moreau. 
coming back from his injury. Number two, they're making a move from uh, Oakland to Las Vegas. They wanted some stability. Number three, they were going to be in a weird situation with COVID-19. They understood that and the and the restrictions that that was going to cause. You go out and get a smart, seasoned, Hall of Fame-type player to kind of bridge the gap. I just I, I, I was baffled at how many times I saw on Twitter or social media or whatever the case was, people criticizing the fact that Jason Witten was here as if it was taking something away from Foster Moreau. Foster Moreau wasn't ready to go and be leaned on 100% to start last year. And it wasn't until into the season that he started rounding into form. Furthermore, the role Jason Witten, a Jason Witten can play for a young tight end is invaluable. And here's Foster Moreau. Oh, uh, we don't have Foster Moreau talking about uh, Jason Witten. Okay, uh, if, you, if, we, if we end up getting that, let, let me know. That was a great quote uh, that Foster uh, had today. We'll try to get that sound. Uh, but he was talking about how, and, you know, he brought it up like who's, he, he was talking to us, the media, name the guy that's on, that's the icon of your industry, the, the guy that everybody looks up to. And as you as a young journalist aspire to be that person, want to emulate that person, well, guess what? Jason Witten was that guy for me as a kid, you know, growing up. That's who he watched. To get a chance to learn from a Mount Rushmore figure in terms of tight ends, are you kidding me? I mean, think about that, people. Think about that for a second. You're a second-year tight end trying to find your way. You're still working your way back from an injury, and you get to sit every day and work and learn from a guy like Jason Witten. Is it is it that hard, that difficult to understand how much of a positive that is for a guy like Foster Moreau? Jason Witten, or excuse me, um, uh, Darren Waller as well, to be able to learn from a future Hall of Famer who's a willing teacher, a guy that says, hey, sit down and talk to me, and we'll, let, let's draw it up on the whiteboard. And Foster Moreau talking about every time he said something, every point he made, every time he felt the need to interject his thoughts into something, that's a note you have to take. You have to write that note down and remember it and learn from it. And you know what? Great people understand that. Dumb people, I'm sorry to say, let that moment go. Whether they're arrogant, whether they're too stupid to understand the opportunity that's being given to them, afforded to them to learn from somebody that they want to be like. Somebody once told me, hey, whatever it is that you want to do, go find the person that does it best and learn from that person. Be humble and learn and ask questions. That's what Foster Moreau had in Darren or in Jason Witten. And there's fans going, oh, he's taking snaps away from Jay, from Foster Moreau. And Foster Moreau's like, are you, do you understand this opportunity that I've been given right here? Just remember that. Think about it. Look beyond just the nose and, and open your brain and perspective to how great that was for Foster Moreau and how I think you're going to see that manifest itself this year when now he's fully healthy and he's going to have time to bite. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahutter. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. So, 
there were definitely times where Witt would kind of sit you down and it'd be you and him on a whiteboard just kind of after a meeting if you had some spare time and he was talking ball and you just kind of sat around and you listened. That was obviously the best way to learn. You know, it's, it's definitely a strange thing to go up to a guy that your teammate's with and just ask him to give you the, you know, the secrets to the trade, the, his entire toolbox, right? Um, so as time progressed, you'd, you'd get to be with him and you've got to learn from him as the day goes by, kind of by observation in a certain way. And that's a weird thing to say because he's a teammate and a, and a friend, but um, also he's a titan of the industry. You know, I mean, 17 years is, is nothing to scoff at. So I think for me, uh, anything he would say, you know, any point he would make, anything he felt the need to interject on was something that you need to jot down. That's a note you need to take. That's something that you need to learn because obviously he's a Mount Rushmore level talent. That's Foster Moreau uh, speaking today over at the Raiders practice facility in Henderson, uh, talking about Jason Witten, working with Jason Witten. Foster Moreau was a second-year tight end last year, coming back from an injury, a serious injury that required surgery toward the end of his rookie season. And he gets an opportunity to watch, learn, practice with, lift with, eat with, one of the greats to ever do it in Jason Witten. And all I heard from so many fans is, but he's taking away snaps from Foster Moreau. That's, and I'm thinking, can you see beyond your nose? Too often in life, we don't understand the great opportunity that we have sitting right next to us because we're too arrogant to stupid and i'm gonna say that stupid i hate using that word i'm not the smartest guy in the world and i don't think i'm the smartest guy in the world but you have to be a nitwit not to understand if you're in any kind of an industry i don't care what it is and you have an opportunity to work with somebody that's done it at the highest level for a number of years and knows all the tricks all the tools uh every secret and you're not gonna be wise enough shrewd enough, smart enough to say, this is who I'm going to sit with for as long as he will allow me or she will allow me to sit with them and learn and take notes and remember and observe and watch and try to emulate. It's one of the, I, I try to urge that of anybody, whatever industry you're working in, if you get that kind of an opportunity, and here's Foster Moreau, 22 years old, seeing things and understanding things in a more elevated way than some of the older fans that are like, you know, moaning and groaning on Twitter and on social media about the presence of Jason Witten, not understanding or like, how do you not get it? How important that can be. Thankfully, Foster Moreau completely understood it and was wise enough to learn. And you know what? I, I got to say that the great ones get that. They understand that. They understand that's where I want to go. Like, that's where I want to go. If I could play 17 years in the NFL, I'm 
hoping to get 10 years, 17 years if I'm still right and I'm still healthy and I'm still playing at that kind of a level to be able to put that kind of money on my family's table and in the bank accounts and make life-changing money and make my mark and do my thing and be looked at and respected. What do I have to do to do what he did? Oh, I get to listen to him and talk to him every day. Who cares about some snaps that he didn't get last year? That was more invaluable than the playing time. And let's not forget, he was hurt. That was the thing that I couldn't understand. Why? Do you realize how serious that knee injury was? Do you understand he wasn't allowed back in the building last year because the buildings weren't open across the NFL? So in terms of rehabbing and getting the right medical advice, he had his own doctors, no question about it. But it sure would have been nice, and usually it's the case, that you could go check in with the team doctor. You could go check in with the uh, the trainers. You've got the world-class facilities in Henderson or whatever team you play for. You've got all the access, all the tools you need to be able to um, you know, put yourself on a, on a great path to, to get healthy sooner rather than later. You also... It also gives the coaches and the training staff a chance to watch and monitor to understand where you are. So from the Raiders' perspective, they had none of that. They had none of that. So they had to protect themselves. They had to uh, add an insurance policy in Jason Witten to help bridge that gap. What a better insurance policy than Jason Witten. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, Bryce is in Iowa. Bryce, how you doing, man? Hey, Vinny. Appreciate you taking my call tonight. How are you? Good, man. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's summer. How can you not be great? Yes, true. Hey, there's a big baseball game coming your way, right? That's right. Yeah, we've got the Yankees and White Sox coming to town. And i, I got to tell you, as a Cubs fan, I'm glad to see that the White Sox are coming and not the Cubs because we have our AAA team in, uh, in Des Moines. Yes. I don't need to pay big money to see the AAA team that is now in Chicago. Oh. After all, after all those guys got traded away. I but, like it. But that's another conversation yes. for another day. Yes. Yeah. Hey, I got to tell you, I, I love hearing the sound bite from Foster. I think that is a kid that gets it. You know, and that's what makes me a fan of a kid like that. A young guy who comes in and takes advantage of a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to learn from a Hall of Famer. So you can just listen to the wisdom that the kid already has at, you know, what would you say, 22, 23 years old? Exactly. The kid, he's already wise behind his, you know, beyond his years at this point. And, you know, you make a great point, one in which that was very much in the minority this time last year and even six months after that. Most lazy fans and lazy media, and yeah, I'll say lazy media. I'm right there with you. They tore the Witten acquisition apart. They tore him up. They tore him. They tore Mayock. They tore Gruden apart and saying, what do you do when you got Foster Moreau? He's going to be a stud. And now you're going to take this guy you can't run anymore, and you're going to you know, take away snaps. But you got to look at it exactly what you said, Vinny. You hit the point, the point exactly on the head is that Foster was not ready to go. And especially in a COVID year, you know, he was probably going to be less likely to go than in a regular year because he didn't have the facilities to be able to train in, to rehab. So he didn't have that. And the Raiders didn't know what they had in Foster. They didn't know if he was going to be ready to start training camp or, you know, uh, week one, things like that. And, and for him to be able to sit in a meeting – 
with a Hall of Famer and to be able to pick his brain. Do you really think Foster's the type of kid that would say, you know what, Coach, I'm going to go to you and complain that I have snaps that are being taken away from me? Do you, do you really get the sense that Foster's that type? Right. No. Yes, exactly. You know, he, he, he probably cherished every single moment that he was in that tight ends room just listening to Witten, listening to Waller, and also look at Carrier. Carrier's been in the league for a long time now, too. There's a lot of wisdom in that room, and man, Foster Monroe is all the better for it. And it just saddens me that Raider fans listen to lazy media, and I won't call them by name, but they rhyme with the pathetic <laughs> of you got some lazy media members out there that just want to get clickbaits, and it's unfortunate that we have too many lazy fans that would rather um, – let lazy media do the work for them, whereas, you know, we've got guys like you and Q and Hondo and Clay and all these guys that are out in it knee-deep and really get the inside stuff. We really appreciate it, buddy. Well, I appreciate you, and, and, and thank you. And listen, if, if Foster if that, if that Foster hadn't been hurt, trust me, Jason Witten's not on the team last year. He, he, just, he just isn't. It just made all the sense in the world, and I, I just I, – I, 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 I just don't understand it. And here's another thing. Um, you know, the late, great, you know, uh, uh, Kobe Bryant, he always talked about veterans. Like Byron Scott was on, I believe he was on one of his first teams, you know, with the Lakers. Uh, it might have been second team or, or was right around there. But he always credited Byron Scott for being a guy that just sat on the bench and um, taught him and sometimes played, uh, you know, obviously. And Kobe wasn't getting major minutes his his first year and even his second year he had to kind of earn them and work his way into it but he always talked about and this is this is almost um universal with great players at the end of their careers they look back and and they you know i always ask them too like hey who was the guy that helped you uh early on because everybody needs that mentor you know most guys that last understand that that's the other key most guys that last in professional sports understand they don't have all the answers early on and the great ones want to stick around for a long time and how do you stick around for a long time you do things right you eat right you train right you study right um you practice right you prepare right you go when when it's the off season you take care of the off seasons correctly you do things the right way and God willing, you know, in terms of the injury factor, you stay healthy and you can get a good, you know, a nice, great career out of it. Uh, and understanding how to, I'm sure Foster Moreau is probably asking Jason Witten, like when you start, when age starts becoming a factor, when you're not as fast as you were, when you're not as strong as you were, uh, what are the, you know, how, how'd you make up for that? What were the things that you did to compensate for those losses? When, how did you get your body right? How were you able to get out of the, out of the bed after a day after a game to get back to work? What kind of pre, you know, uh, were you doing anything uh, proactively in order to put yourself in, in, in better shape? All these kind of questions that you're asking and a guy like Foster Moreau and the great ones and the not lazy ones are putting that all away. They're, they're, they're tabulating it. They're, they're putting it in their brain cell in their memory bank to harken back on and regardless, or not regardless, but in addition to what they're learning, that's helping them in present time. 
Uh, it just made all the sense in the world to, and you know, they could have brought in any tight end. They were going to need a tight end, period, exclamation point, because Foster Moreau wasn't ready to start last year, like uh, uh, where you could push him 100%. And the Raiders wanted to win, so they needed somebody that they knew could be out on the field uh, while Foster continued to rehab and continued to work toward 100%. And that could have been anybody. And yet it was Jason Witten, and as soon as, Jason Witten was brought to Foster Moreau's attention. He was like, what did he tell us today? Shocked, like a lot of people were, but then shocked in the most, in the best possible way because, hold on a second. Me, a young tight end who grew up as a tight end, went to LSU as a tight end. I'm a tight end. That's my position. I've looked at tight ends all my life, basically, or ever since tight end became the position that I was going to play. I want to be an NFL tight end. I want to stick around for a long time. I'm going to look at and study the best tight ends out there. And Jason Witten was the Mount Rushmore of his tight ends. Imagine then hearing, oh, uh, hey, uh, Coach Gruden here. Hey, Foster, how you doing? Doing good. Uh, listen, just want to let you know, give you a heads up. We're bringing in a tight end. We know that, you know, uh, we're gonna have to work to get you back into shape. Uh, we're bringing in some insurance. I, I get it, coach. Uh, totally understand. Um, yeah. Who is it? Jason Witten. What? Jason, I get to learn from Jason Witten. Imagine being a quarterback and learning from Peyton Manning, uh, to start off your career or, you know, getting through an, an, an injury year, your, your sophomore year, and they bring in Peyton Manning. Uh, to be uh, a guy that that holds down the fort until you're ready. Are you kidding me? Come on, like like, and I, I it would drive me nuts because it. Why is Jason Witten playing Foster Moreau? J- Jason Witten, Foster Moreau. A, Foster Moreau wasn't ready to begin last year, and it took a while for him to work his way back uh, to full shape. Yeah, could they use him at times? Definitely. Could you expect him to play? the kind of snaps that they need a, a second tight end to play? No, he wasn't. And and when you look at the Raiders, the Raiders play multiple tight ends. It's one of the things that they do. They are a run-heavy team. They need their tight ends uh, in, in 13 personnel, 12 personnel, 22 personnel, 23 personnel. They like to go big. They like to get tough. They like to have their tight ends maul people and help in run blocking. That's what Foster Moreau talked about today in terms of what his main role is, but how he's going to expand, hopefully, um, you know, into into more of a of a weapon in the passing game, which I think he's going to be able to help in the red zone, by the way. So again, just open your mind sometimes and understand it's not everything what you think it is. It's not oh they 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 signed Jason Witten to take snaps away from Foster Moreau. How wise is that? How prudent is that? Come on, come on, that's lazy. It's just lazy. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. It's been great. I knew it was going to be good. I had, I had zero stress about that. Um, absolutely no worries about it. Got a great locker room, great teammates. Uh, I've been met with nothing but love and support. It's been, it's been incredible. Yeah. Um, football players get a bad rap. Um, but you know, we're humble, hardworking, accepting people. And it's really, you know, this was a great example of that. Definitely. That's Raiders defensive end, uh, Carl Nassib speaking today, uh, over at the practice facility in Henderson training camp ongoing, uh, for the Raiders. It was the first time, uh, that Carl Nassib has spoken to the media to us, 
since coming out uh, as the first ever active gay uh, National Football League player. Uh, I think it was in June when he made the announcement. So, you know, kind of a big day. It was the first time uh, that we talked to Carl. It's the last time I'm ever going to ask him any questions um, about his sexuality, about his announcement. It means nothing to me uh, anymore, um, and uh, and that's the way it should be. And I hope that every other reporter uh, out there understands that. Now, granted, there's going to be some special interviews. I'm sure he does, uh, in which that uh, the subject gets brought up. From but from here on out. In my world, for what I do, covering the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, it's it's no longer a story for me uh, at all. Unless something, you know, happens, and, and God forbid that does happen, where somebody gets, you know, out of hand as a, as a fan, or if there's something, you know, said on the field, uh, I hate to go down that road, but it's something that, you know, hey, uh, it's a possibility. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think when Carl talked about you know, his teammates in this locker room uh, with the Raiders and how that was zero concern. And what I had asked him uh, when when that elicited that response was, you know, on a personal level. And, you know, his announcement was huge in a lot of ways. It was huge in the gay community. Um, it was huge for anybody that might be struggling to uh, come to grips with or, um, you know, come out of the closet because they're worried about what the reaction is going to be, whether it's from their friends, coworkers, schoolmates, uh, whoever, uh, w- whatever the case might be. Uh, and they're worried about that reaction and, and that possible negative reaction scares them into suppressing who they really are because they're afraid of the reaction. And so I asked Carl, you know, aside from the national implications and the big picture of this and how it's helped and whatnot from a personal standpoint, were you at all concerned about what the reaction might be uh, in the Raiders locker room? And he said that was the least of my concerns. And I truly believe him. And I and I and I know covering pro sports for as long as I have uh, being around professional sports as long as I have. um, There's a couple of things I want to say here. Number one. Usually when you get to that level, listen, are there knuckleheads at any level of professional athlete of of wherever, whatever job you want to talk about, whatever vocation, is there, is there always a level of kind of a knucklehead? Yes, no doubt about it. But for the most part, when you get to this level of a profession and we're talking about the top 1% of anybody that's done what they're doing, okay, 1% of the 100% of kids that ever put on cleats and a helmet and shoulder pads and all that, 1% make it to this level out of the, you know, however millions that have played the sport and aspired to go um, to that level. 1%. And at any given time on the face of our planet, 1%, the top 1% make up what you see when you see professional baseball, when you see the NBA, when you see the NFL, tennis, golf, whatever. That's, that represents the top 1%. To get there, it doesn't just take talent. Talent, you have to have talent to start off with, no question about it. We'd be naive and dumb to overlook that part of it. You have to have supremely, you have to be a supreme athlete, period, exclamation point. But you also have to be smart. You also have to have the right perspective, commitment, dedication. In other words, usually you're a pretty solid person to get to that level. Now, 
sometimes money might change people. Uh, sometimes, you know, there's a lot of factors that turn people and, you know, turn people bad, uh, as, as they say. So, you know, that can always be a factor once you get to that level. But to get here, to stay here, usually you're a pretty good person, pretty solid person. And that's always been my observation being around professional sports. You usually get some pretty good people. You really do. Okay. So from that perspective, I didn't, I thought, I always felt like when the inevitable happened and, you know, somebody comes out, an active player, whatever the sport might be, within the sport that they play, that community, I didn't, I never thought that it was going to be that serious. I think that the type of people that get to this level, that are playing at this level, have a unique perspective and a good perspective, and they're pretty smart and wise, and they would get it. It wouldn't be that as big a deal as you probably thought it would be, number one. Number two, it's always been my observation as well that when you get to this level, so many guys are just so locked in on what they're doing, their life, their journey. Um, you know, their, their goals, their objectives, you know, you have Derek Carr, who's making 20 something million dollars, you know, but you also have, um, Alec Ingold who's making 500 grand, 600 grand, whatever it is. He wants to, you know, earn another contract, a big contract, a second contract. He wants to, you know, create a level of comfort for himself in his life. And to do that, he needs to be the best football player that he possibly can be. That's his profession. That's his vocation. That's what's going to hopefully earn him, you know, life-changing type money, generational type money. And for him to do that, he needs to be steely-eyed, focused, dedicated on himself, his journey, what he needs to do. So in other words, you have these blinders on as well. Yes, it's a team game, and what you do fits into a team scheme. And so you always have to be cognizant of that. Like what you do fits into a big puzzle, a bigger puzzle of a team. But you're also so locked in on yourself and, you know, doing it the right way for yourself that what other what somebody else is doing, it's it's almost not that it's not even none of your business. It's like you you it doesn't matter to you because it doesn't affect you. It doesn't apply to you, your journey, what your goals are. You know, there's there's 40 guys on this team that are looking to make another payday, that are looking to make their mark in the NFL, rookies, first-year players, second-year players, third-year players, some guys going into their fourth year that are trying to you know, make a big payday, make their mark in this league, solidify themselves as somebody that's going to be around for a little while. That's what their objective is, and winning, of course, and doing what they can to help that cause. But they're so locked in to their own worlds that – what somebody does when they leave the building, it really, it doesn't really matter. And the other part of it is not everybody. You think everybody's hanging out? It's 53 guys on a team. By the time the end of the day comes in professional sports, A, you're pretty darn worn out, okay? And B, the last thing you sometimes want to do is be with the guys that you'd been with for the last 8, 9, 10 hours. You want to go home to your family. You want to go home to your couch, you want to go home to PlayStation. Yeah, now some of these guys, they hook up and play you know, on, on PlayStation at home, from home. Uh, but they, they're not, like, hanging out 24-7. Some guys are. You know, you got guys that are friends and buddies. You got coworkers, whatever it is that you do in your life. You have some coworkers that you hang out with on Friday night or after work or whatever the case might be. But not everybody. You don't hang out with everybody that you work with. 
Uh, you know, so there's so everyone kind of goes their own direction. Everyone kind of forms their pockets of friends. Um, and you see, say, hey, take care. See you tomorrow morning. Be safe. All right. I'll see you tomorrow morning. And that's it. That's the extent of your care of what it is that they do in their personal lives. You got your own personal life to deal with. Maybe you got a girlfriend, your family, your wife. You know, you got kids to go home to. Just like any other adult that does anything else in life. So do you worry about, you know, your coworkers, what they're doing after work? I don't spend one second of time thinking about that. A, I don't care. B, I got my own stuff that I'm dealing with. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. 